The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. You know, Fansets is the only place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Find out more about this amazing collectible and sign up for their mailing list for special offers at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hey, this is Noah Averback-Katz. That's Rin from Star Trek Discovery. And you are listening to the Emerald Chain's favorite show. That's right. Osira tunes in. Aurelio tunes in. Even Zareth wants to listen. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Arctic office at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, one and all, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 262 of Trek Geeks. So excited to have you here as we are now less than six weeks away from Creation Entertainment's 55-year mission tour in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And of course, by we, I do mean... My magnificent co-host and I. You know, I introduce him pretty much every week. And I look for a way to insult him and to belittle him and demean him. And and that's on purpose because if you've seen him, you know why I do it. Um, he's Dan Davidson. Dan, um, I tell you to speak for yourself, but that's just going to get you into trouble. It, yeah, I'll probably screw it up anyway. It's good to be here, buddy. Uh, thanks for a good introduction. And yeah, I would love to be in the Arctic office, as you said that we are, because it's freaking hot out. We're oh. in the, the middle of a heat wave here in the eastern half of the United States, and I feel bad for the western half of the United States and Canada because they're having like the hottest temperatures ever on record out there. So hope everybody's staying cool. And it's kind of awesome that we're going to have a topic this week about people that live on an ice planet slash ice moon because maybe it'll help everybody feel nice and cool. I'm thinking. Yeah, we're going to talk about some Andorians this week, and uh, that's a we haven't talked about that alien race yet, so I'm really looking forward to it. And joining us is somebody who knows a little bit about that particular topic. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, we've had him on Discovering Trek and had a great conversation, and we decided that, you know what? We're going to talk Andorians. Let's have an Andorian on the show and someone who is, like, an awesome Andorian. And so we did it. So we're going to welcome Noah Averback Katz to the show here on Trek Geeks for the first time, but returning for the second time on the podcast network. And we're very excited because um, nobody's ever done that who's, like, really important and in Star Trek. So um, it's kind of a special moment. Right? 
I don't even know what to do with you right now. I don't either. Uh, thank God you now? don't write instructions for a living, because trying to follow those would, would be like a choose-your-own-adventure novel. But isn't that part of the fun? Bouncing no. all over the place and trying to no. figure out A to Z to X to Y to L, and then back to no. E. It's pretty awesome. The mind of Dan Davidson. Dan, speaking of your mind, you should have it top of mind to tell people how they can get in touch with us. And uh, how might that be accomplished, sir? Yeah, we definitely want to hear from you. And the best way to do that is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or Android device. You can download it and then tap the more button for a variety of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, you can check out our brand new app exclusive shows that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Just head on over to trekgeeks.com slash app to get all the details on how to get the uh, awesome, awesome application for your phones. Plus, don't forget the, uh, the most positive Facebook group uh, is Camp Kittimer. It's the official Facebook Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network on the Book of Faces. We don't allow trolling. We don't allow gatekeeping. We only want people celebrating what they love about Trek. So just search for Camp Kidder, answer a couple of questions, we'll let you right in. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for the amazing job they do running the camp. Now, when you do get in touch with us, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Bill? Thanks, Dan. <laughs> you know, here's here. Here's a little inside baseball. It's fun whenever I change the copy on you, because even though you you may have read it, um, or even if you don't, you still stumble through it, and I sit here laughing every time. You do, and and I'll be I'll be honest. I did not look at a single word of this until just <laughs> as we started reading, and I think I only screwed up once. So I'll take it. Maybe maybe a one and a half, maybe one and a half. But uh, I'll take you, it. But I could do it fifty times, and on the fifty first time, I could screw it up like every other word. So that's there's you're nothing. Screw it up there. fifty times out of fifty. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, that's what I meant. I mean, even on the fifty first, it doesn't matter how many times. One hundred. Uh. Uh-uh. It's gonna break. You know. The thing that separates Trek Geeks from all the other podcasts is our attention to detail and the way we, we prepare. I'm and just professionalism. Putting that <laughs> Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, in less than six weeks, we're going to be joining our friends at Fansets for the amazing Fan Geeks Party in Las Vegas during Creation Entertainment's 55-year mission tour. Yeah, it's going to be a blast, man. And they're going to be giving away tons of awesome stuff at the party. So we hope you were able to get your tickets. Now, before that happens, though, be sure to check out their website at fansets.com for their latest releases. On July 1st, you can look forward to the two latest anniversary pins to be available. And they are the Star Trek IV The Voyage Home's 35th anniversary pin, along with the Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country's 30th anniversary pin. Both are amazing and shows just how old we really are, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it it really does. I think about the fact that when The Undiscovered Country came out, I was finally of legal drinking age. (laughs) That's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, it is, but always know, buddy, you're always going to be two years old or two weeks older than me forever. I just want to point that out. Uh, seriously, though, those are amazing pins, Dan. And don't forget, you can get the entire set of anniversary pins, which will include a bonus seventh pin for only $59.99 right now. So, I mean, you know what I'm going to say. Head on over to fansets.com, put that anniversary pin collection set and a whole bunch of other pins and accessories into your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word RIN. 
That's R-Y-N in all capital letters for 10% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until July 7th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Plus, don't forget, when you spend more than 30 bucks on fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets, they're pins of character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Hey, if you haven't checked out the galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division, then you are really missing out. You really are. This officially licensed Tribble is just an amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you're going to be proud to add to your collection. You and I both have one, Dan, and we truly love our Tribbles. So much work and creativity went into creating this Tribble, too, right down to the softest fur you can imagine. Plus, the sounds the Tribble makes, you're going to recognize immediately. Yep, they're from the original series. You're going to swear your Tribble was delivered straight from Space Station K7 right to your door. Plus, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary, but it is tons of fun to make it scream at people like annoying podcast co-hosts. Fret not, however. Everyone except Bill knows that. You guessed it. Tribbles are not dangerous, Bill. No, but your face is. So head on over to ScienceDIV.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive Tribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessories section where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag like t-shirts, mugs, or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Tribbles never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. If you're looking for some great Star Trek t-shirts or even other gear to prep for Vegas or to add to your life, then be sure to check out the Trek Geek store on TeePublic. In addition to our own merchandise, you can directly access all of the officially licensed shirts on the TeePublic platform just by going into shop.trekgeeks.com. And when you use that link, you're automatically helping support to support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network with every purchase, whether it's from our store or not. With over 150 designs available and new merchandise being added all the time, you're bound to find something perfect for the next Trek Tuesday. Plus, TeePublic constantly has special sales and discounts, so you'll want to check back often. It all starts by going to the Trek Geek shop today at shop.trekgeeks.com. Dan, with just under six weeks to go until Las Vegas and the 55-year mission tour from Creation Entertainment, we've got some more tips on how to prepare for your Vegas trip this year. You now have six weeks left. Sorry. I'm, I'm scared now. <laughs> little little TOS action. Yes, you know, it's, it's so close. Uh, and joining us again this week to talk about what to do to prepare for your trip to Vegas is our very own Mr. Convention himself, our friend Ron Robel. Ron, welcome back. It's good to have you back again to talk about what to do to prepare for uh, the trip out to the desert in just six weeks' time, my friend. Thank you very much. Nice to take a break from packing. You know, you can't start packing too soon for this convention. <laughs> I might have already started. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I am so ready. I know you guys are so ready. So let's talk about a topic that comes up for just about everybody coming to this convention, and that's money. I mean, mm. Vegas isn't cheap, but there are ways to do it cheaply, and we might talk about some of that today. So, Ron, let me ask you. You you love going to cons. For this particular con, how much money do you think I'm going to need? 
So I've done the math. I always set myself a budget and I am the cheapest person you'll ever meet because I figure every dollar I save on room, on food, that's another dollar I can spend on fan sets in the vendor's room. Um, so, yes. you know, I have done the math and you can do it for a thousand dollars on the cheap. It's not easy, but it's definitely possible. Now, is that including convention tickets or is that just money to spend while you're in Vegas? No. So that includes your hotel. If you stay at like the Gold Coast, you get a roommate. It includes, you know, possibly a Groupon ticket or general admission if, if they're available, um, a cheap breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and that's the basics. Doesn't include your airfare. I think that's the only thing I don't put into that budget. And that's definitely not cheap these days, Dan. No, it's not. I, and I'm trying to do the math in my head. And and boy, I wish I could only spend a thousand dollars at these conventions. I mean, I mean, if I'm talking airfare and hotel and photo ops and autographs and hash house a go go, can't forget that <laughs> for breakfast every morning. Um, plus, you also have to do at least one special dinner when we're out there, and we usually do that. I'm. That's a boy. I I don't know if I could do it on a thousand. Ron, you're gonna have to show me some of your pointers because uh, that sounds like a great great deal right there. I will say one of the things I look forward to, and I didn't do it in 2019, and I wish I had waited just a little bit longer, is hoping that that Groupon comes out for the deal on the weekend tickets because it really is a great deal. I think it's like 50 percent or something like that. It's close to it. We don't know if they're going to actually offer it this year. I mean, this being the first year since the pandemic, I, I think all bets are off. There's a school of thought that says, well, yeah, they want to be sure they sell more tickets. And there's another school of thought that says, well, maybe not because they're looking to sell more tickets. Mm-hmm. So I, at this point, I don't think you can count on the Groupon. If it happens, Ron, I think it's usually like three to four weeks before the con or something like that. Yeah, I actually went into one of the groups, the Star Trek Convention Experiences group, and we posted July 9th in 2019. So about three or four weeks before the convention, it came out. Yeah, and I've done that before, um, you know, in years past, before I just went and bought the weekend pass like I've done this year. And it it really is a savings. The, The one downside is you do have to go and get your ticket every single day at the counter. But that's five minutes out of your day. And it's really an effective cost savings for that amount of time, Dan. Yeah, it really is. I'm all for it. It's just the question of you don't know if it's going to come out. And, you know, you start stressing out over when you get that close to the convention, when you're only a few weeks away and you still don't have your tickets, I'd start sweating. So that's something that, you know, Mm -hmm. you just got to be prepared to do if you want to wait, you know, set a specific date. If it's not out there by July X, you're going to get your regular tickets no matter what. And then, you know, as will always be the case, the Groupon will come out the next day and it'll be too late. So anyway, <laughs> um, but but yeah, it, it, those kind of deals are great. Um, there's also great deals. You can always go around. Uh, they're always trying to give you deals when, you, when you're arriving at the hotel. So there's stuff out there to, to save money on. Um, you just got to do a little digging. Just got to do a little research and, and you're sure to find some savings somewhere. Well, I know one thing see. like I'm planning on doing this year, um, Uber Eats, you can get the Eat Pass for one month for free on their website, and it's a $0 oh. delivery fee. And a lot of those restaurants, it's cheaper to order and have them deliver to the hotel um, than it is to eat at the restaurants at the hotel. Oh, wow. That's pretty great. I didn't even think of that. Did not think of that either. That's fantastic. That's a great deal right there. That's why Ron's Mr. Convention and you're not. I am not. <laughs> It's another another pin to buy in the vendor's room. <laughs> well, and for those people who may not want to do Uber Eats for whatever reason, there are cheap restaurants in Vegas. You know, last week we mentioned that, you know, things are generally cheaper at the Gold Coast. There's a Subway there. There's a TGI Fridays there. Even the buffet is significantly cheaper than the buffet at the Rio. 
um, at all of the Caesars hotels, you can sort of do the buffet pass and do a couple of different meals over a couple of different days that way if you want. But I mean, there are fast food restaurants all over Vegas. But one of my favorite things is the coupon book that's in every taxi cab in Las Vegas. Um, and once you get in a cab at the airport, assuming that you do, grab one of those because there are going to be two for ones or you know discounts at restaurants and bars and all kinds of places all over Las Vegas. And let's be honest, Vegas is a town that runs on coupons from. I'll say last year, actually, or in 2019, Groupon had a deal for the buffet at the Rio as well. It was like $25, oh, wow. and I was able to get two of them. Um, yeah, there's plenty of ways to save money on food. Even, you know, Walmart does grocery delivery. So if you're like me in the morning, I don't want to sit down and have a big breakfast. I'm barely getting up and getting to the first panel on time so I can order food and have it right there in the room when I'm ready to go. And there are even groups of locals that organize rideshare trips to places like Walmart to get groceries or other supermarkets. I know there's one event listed in our Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, right now. Um, you know, that people can sign up for and, and they essentially take a, a group away team over to get groceries. And I think that's pretty fantastic. Um, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the vendors hall, because that's probably the next item that people usually ask about, well, how much money should I bring? Um, I think that there's such a wide variety of things, Dan, that as far as cost in the vendors hall, you can find stuff for five bucks and you can find stuff for 500 bucks. I think it, it's smart to go in with some kind of mindset of what you're looking for before you get there. Oh, yeah. You can find stuff for 5000 bucks there. Some of those paintings autographed by all the cast. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I usually go in there with the mindset that I'm going to look for at least one T-shirt of some kind to get because I always have great designs. Of course, fan sets is going to get the most of my money because – they're fan sets. Um, then there's always you got a little have a little extra something in case something pops out that you didn't expect. I remember one year, Bill, we were there and um, they had a couple sets of wine glasses that I really liked and a couple of of um, uh, of notebooks that I that I still use to this day here on the podcast every week with like different chips on the front and stuff like that. Which you know these novelty things they're they're not super expensive, but if you get five, six, seven of them then it's going to start adding up. So I would say that if you're going to, you know, be frugal, you still want to think of maybe at least a couple of hundred dollars uh, for the, for the vendor's room alone, uh, if not more, Ron. I agree. And I think it's very much what you budget is what you can spend. If you go in there and you say, I've got $5,000 to spend, you're going to be able to spend it in a heartbeat. If you go in there and say, I have $10, you'll still get away with some great wins. Um, for the vendor's room, I love photographs with the actors, and I think that's the best place to get them. Uh, they're usually a lot cheaper. I know Doug Jones in the past has spent like 20 or $30 to get a great photo yeah. op, um, and he's so hands-on and just so much fun to meet. Um, so, yeah, the vendor's room is one of the most dangerous places. And like I said, every penny I can save on room and food is another penny I'll spend in that vendor's room. There are so many cast members from the various series in the dealer's room, too. I mean, Creation does do ticketed photo ops and autographs for certain Star Trek celebrities. All of the others are typically in the dealer's room, and you can do selfies with them fairly cheaply. You can do autographs fairly cheaply. Um, it, it's still a great place to go. I mean, if you want to get your picture taken with um, with Garrett Wong in the dealer's room, I'm sure that you can you know, spend probably 30 or 40 bucks and get it done. Um, I, I think that's where the discovery cast will be. Uh, I'm not sure about the Picard cast members. I'm pretty sure that they'll be in the dealer's room this year. Um, we'll be in the dealer's room this year, but we're not mm -hmm. signing, Dan. 
and if we did, we probably wouldn't charge for it because who cares? <laughs> <laughs> one thing, one thing I will I will say also is is you're going to find things that you don't expect. And one of the things yeah. that I got in 2019, which was the best hundred dollars I have ever spent in the vendors room, it was completely. Uh, I, I didn't know it was going to happen until the second I did it, and that is something that I think is going to catch on as conventions start coming in. And that's Doug Jones had available that he would record for you a voicemail greeting for your phone as Saru. And I did it, and I will never get rid of that recording. That's what people hear when they call my cell phone. It was the best $100 I have ever spent because I get compliments on it all the time. And just spending that time with Doug when he did it, he did it, he listened to it. Nope, that's not good enough. I'm going to go in this room where it's quieter and do it again. I want to make sure it's perfect. So you, he, you spend the money, but you get, at least with Doug, a fantastic product which i will treasure forever <laughs> you absolutely do and i've heard the recording and it's pretty fantastic i'm not gonna lie um ron if you are looking to do like photo ops through creation or autographs through creation you can get them on site but you're kind of at the mercy of what's available at the time right right um and you typically yeah you're whatever's available when you get there and there have been times that they've sold out um, I think Cole Meany may have sold out a few years ago. I, I don't know if Jason Isaacs did last year. Um, but it's you definitely, if you're somebody you really want to get, get them ahead of time. Get ready because they sell fast. Well, and when for things like autographs, for example, they call PDF tickets first mm -hmm. in a particular order based on the number on your ticket. So if you're looking to get something signed and you don't want to be waiting in line all day, it's probably best to just buy the ticket online, bring it with you to Vegas. And, uh, and that way you can line up when you're supposed to. And because, uh, if you buy a ticket in Vegas, you're going to be waiting until the end. <laughs> I think they've had sometimes too where the, the autograph lines last hours after the convention even ends because some of these folks yeah. really do take their time. Right. Well, I was in Sonequa Martin Green's line a couple of years ago and I got in when they called my PDF. And at that point, I'd been waiting about 90 minutes. And then it took me another hour or so in line before I got to her. But it was well worth it because. Like you said, Sonequa spends that time, Dan, and uh, and it's an experience you're just not going to forget. Oh, you absolutely don't, because because a lot of these, a lot of the the people that we get autographs for, they take the time to look you in the eye, or most of them, and talk to you. That Sonequa is a perfect example. She talks to you while she's signing, so it, it takes a little bit longer. Um, and one the other thing, in in what I've seen in in examples, um. If you get a ticket at the last minute and you're waiting in line for a long time, sometimes the signature of the star that you're getting the signature of might be a little, you know, tired looking by the time you're the 1200th person to be saying hi. But uh, that's I'm not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably best you don't. Um, Ron, any other tips before we sort of depart for this week? Just, I, I love the idea of the Walmart grocery delivery. Um, I, I did that last year at the Gold Coast. They showed up with a couple cases of water and just some basic staples. Um, and the Gold Coast has really some great food options. They have a great breakfast. TGI Fridays is affordable. And their breakfast buffet. I will say the other thing at both hotels, get the players' cards. Um, they're completely yes. free. And I know at the Gold Coast, you save a dollar on breakfast. It brings breakfast down to like nine ninety nine for an all-you-can-eat buffet um, with coffee. It's a steal. Those discounts are, are, are pretty prime and really all you have to do is, is give them your address and your phone number and that's all you need to, to get those Players Club cards. You don't even have to gamble. That's the best part. It's always a well, gamble. Just going anywhere with you, buddy. That's 100% <laughs> right? true. One thing that I would say also, as I said last week, is you're going to be bringing money to Vegas. You're going to be using the safe in the room. 
It's a Star Trek convention, people. Don't set your safe to 1701. Just in case some schmuck breaks into your room, that's the first code they're going to try. Keep your valuables safe and choose something else. Or do, and then Dan gets all your money. No. (laughs) 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 Guys, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we'll reconvene to have another How to Vegas tip. But uh, for now, we want to remind everyone, get on over to creationent.com. Get all your con info, and don't forget your tickets for things like autographs and photo ops. This is definitely going to be a convention that we're going to remember for a long time. So, Bill, we're here today to talk about everyone's favorite blue-skinned aliens. And no, I'm not talking about the Navi and Avatar. Come on now. Uh, I'm speaking about the Andorians, of course. First introduced way back in TOS, they were one of the founding members of the Federation. And since we're going to be talking about the Andorians at length today, it seems only fitting to bring back an actor who has played one of the most popular Andorians in Star Trek history. His portrayal of Rin on Star Trek Discovery's uh, third season was awesome, right up to the point where he was vaporized. And this is the very first time we are welcoming back an actor from an official Star Trek series to the Trek Geeks podcast network. His name is Noah Averback-Katz, and he is sitting down with us for the second time. And Noah, it's so good to see you again, man, and welcome back, my friend. Guys, it's great to be back. It's also really funny to think about it, like, oh, you know, it's like... He's every, you know, he's up there. He's almost everyone's favorite. You know, everyone's favorite is Shran, <laughs> and then Rin, and then after that, uh, nobody. The other ones. <laughs> I, I made it into the top two of two, so pretty high praise. Basically, if any other Andorian shows up and like just starts juggling, I'm gonna get knocked down like three spots immediately. Well, I mean, in fairness, in like season one of Discovery, there's like a background Andorian who shows up like eight or nine times. I know. So you're already more popular than he is because I mean, I you got the part with lines. Even in my mind, the the Andorian, Shran's girlfriend, uh, Andorian, is more popular. Yeah. Yes, she's more popular. I think Susie Claxon's Andorian is more popular. So, <laughs> and I also think that the Lol Andorian from uh, from uh, Next Gen with that looks like you know some insane genetic uh, mutation is more popular as well. So I would put myself at maybe seven out of eight. I'm over the guy who is sitting next to. Uh, Shazad in season one, maybe he kind of was tough. So, and then there's the Andorian in the in the first episode, who's like has like a whole Laurel and Hardy bit, and he's way funnier <laughs> than I am. So, I think he's ahead of me. Uh, so, yes, but but if you don't count all of them, <laughs> I think I'm up there. There's even an Andorian in the animated series in uh, in in the episode yesteryear, yeah, yeah. That, written by DC Fontana. Where he's yes. the first officer of the Enterprise. So, I mean, you could be more popular than him, too. I'm just saying. I've got I it. I doubt it, but sure. You <laughs> are the best Andorian who has had both of his antenna cut off. There both. you go. Both. Boom. Yes. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, it took us a while to light that candle. No, it's great to have you back. Um, first things first. I mean, this this seems to be the the way we kick things off in, in, on Trek Geek since 2020. How are you and Mary? Are you guys staying safe as the pandemic starts to kind of wind down in most of the United yes, States? Yes, we're good. good. We are vaccinated. 
uh, we were able to make that happen. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, entering back into the world. You know, I think uh, Vegas, we were talking about before we started recording, is is I'm really excited and extremely nervous about it. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive back into that and hopefully it will be be good and not be bad. I don't want it to be bad. I want it to be good. So that's my hope. I think it's going to be a really big week. I think it's there's going to be a lot of emotion. Um, mm. I've talked to a lot of people who are like, they can't wait to see other humans, and especially these yes. humans that gather in the desert every year. Um, but I, I do think it's going to feel different. Um, I I look forward to hugging the people who are open to having hugs, and I look forward to, you know, to elbow touches or fist bumps to the people who aren't. I'm just happy to not be locked up in a room here in New Hampshire um, because I'm ready to, uh, I'm a little stir crazy after about, you know, 15 months, Dan. It's just 15 months. That's the excuse you're giving us right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I totally agree. And no, I got to say it's, it's going to be awesome. It's less than seven weeks away as we're recording this episode right now. It's right around the corner and it, it feels like it's been 10 years since we haven't been in Vegas, Bill and I, and it's really, we only missed one convention with the pandemic, but it just goes to show how important uh, that convention is to to us and to so many people. We can't wait to see you out there. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and we're really looking forward to it, but uh but we're talking about Endorians tonight, and which is going to be a lot of fun because, um, of course, um, you have intimate detail about playing an Endorian, of course, in Discovery. And, and we know that they first showed up in, in TOS and Journey to Babel. And one of the things that I've always loved about the fact of that they were these blue aliens is, of course, back in the 60s and even earlier when, you know, the whole War of the Worlds back in the, you know, whenever that came out, long long before Star Trek did, but it was always Martians and Little Green Men, episode of Deep Space Nine, not surprisingly. But I love the idea that they decided to make these aliens blue. And I think that over the course of 55 years, that color for the Andorians is something that's always stuck out to me anyway is one of the coolest things about them. It definitely makes them like just so recognizable. It's it's very strange, you know, how how tied to Star Trek Andorians are, considering, you know, as compared to like Klingons or Vulcans, these other sort of like super well known races, how little they actually show up. And I think it's that like it's almost like that campy blue, you know, it's like it's it's as close as they could get to being goofy and making, you know, martians the green martians or whatever without sort of giving it away you know but it is there is something really goofy and silly about it which is why i think they endure with their weird antenna um they're just so uh striking and goofy and kind of cool with the white hair that i i just think that you can't really uh, they just stick in your mind it provides a great contrast, doesn't it? Because, I mean, with any other color, that white hair is going to look kind of weird. Like, say, on the green, you start almost to look like the great kazoo from the, fin- the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when you were cast in Discovery and they told you you were going to be an Andorian, did they give you any kind of backstory for Rin? Because, I mean, the things we know about Andorians, I mean, we know they're fairly xenophobic. We know that they are volatile to some extent. They ha- At least as far as we've seen at Enterprise, they can have a bit of a hot temper. I don't count the TOS one because he wasn't really an Andorian, even though he looked like an Andorian. 
So did they kind of give you any any background or where they thought Rin came from before he met up with the Emerald Chain? No, no. You know, I didn't even know I was going to be in Andorian until I like they started spraying me blue because uh, at the same time, Ian Lake was getting done up as Tolor and he was in Orion where they went full green. And uh, and everyone was confused about which one was which. So they're like, oh, you're going to be Orion and... I don't even think some of the everybody knew what they were talking about. They're just like, yeah, I don't know, maybe green or blue. I don't know. And I was like, you know, sweating, trying to figure out what was going to happen. There wasn't any backstory in terms of, you know, what he, what the world was like sort of um, for the Andorian culture and all that stuff. I, I think it, I really got the sense that they were like picking up like right in the middle of, you know, the Emerald Chain and, and sort of this two, these two cultures and species that were always at odds, finally sort of combining into this giant mafia, you know, world dominating uh, sort of awful conglomerate. Um, so there wasn't really much in terms of like what's going on in, on. And Doria, uh, Doria right now, you know, there wasn't really much, you know, who knows if it's even still there. It could have all melted. I don't know, you know. Um, so it was it was more about just sort of picking up where he was at in the moment as opposed to like sort of getting a character backstory. And I was also, uh, you know, I from from the first moment I got the script, I knew they were going to just blast his head off. And I was so reluctant to get that confirmation i put it off as long as i possibly could so i was like i really don't want to start asking questions because i know that eventually the question will be like yeah and then we put a gun to your head and we we turn you into uh into like basically uh you know like blue yogurt mist or something <laughs> that's awesome well Based on that, that you really didn't know until you got in the chair that you're going to play in Andorian, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to give us some information about what you were thinking during the filming and then after again. So, from a timeline point of view, during Enterprise, Andorians were seen as tough and strong, and we'll get into that in a little bit. They were ready to fight at a moment's notice. They had that hot temper. Um, Andorian incident and Shadows of Pajem are really good examples of that. Of course, mm -hmm. with Sharon. Then the whole arc with the Romulans took place. And then in Discovery Season 1, we saw soldiers that were Andorian, and they were pretty badass too. And then we got to TOS, and at least to me, and even though Bill said that one of them wasn't really an Andorian, they seemed much mellower and more open to negotiations and procedural stuff. Um, but then we didn't see him for such a long time in any role that really had any meat to it. So... Where do you see Rin in the evolution of this race? Because it's so much further off into the future. Is he more Enterprise, more DSC Season 1, or more TOS? Or mm. do you think that maybe the Andorians have completely changed as a race due to the burn, and Rin in particular because he was a prisoner of Osira for so long? That's a great question to think of him in terms of timeline. You know, I've never really thought about it in that sense. I think just in terms of like Andorians in general, I, I really, I approached it, how I approached it as an actor was really saying that Jeffrey Combs and Tran is sort of the Andorian Bible. 
because like even though it's sort of out of time you know with enterprise happening so much sooner there's just really not enough of like there's no arc you know for for any of the other andorians they maybe show up and you sort of get a a, a piece of them but in order to really understand you know a sort of culture you need some sort of arc so in my mind, and this is, of course, all headcanon, which uh, I say is true, so there's nothing anybody can do about it, um, is that, like, in a lot of ways, you know, we, we there's so many missing, there's so many, like, missing pieces of, like, okay, so you really see how the first sort of relationship between human, between Federation, really, and, like, an Andorian almost ambassador for the species and culture sort of is fostered. You don't really see their entry into, you know, founding the Federation, which is such a big deal. You don't really, we don't really see that, you know? And then we don't really see throughout, like, how they participate. You know, we don't really see them in, like, a big battle. You know, we don't go on an Andorian ship. We don't really know what their bridge looks like, you know? Uh, at best, they're sort of mentioned in passing. And you also you really get a sense also in passing that they are sort of involved almost more artistically. You know, you, they talk about the opera and painting and stuff like that. So those are the kind of, just the tiniest little pieces that you're getting. And so in my mind, you know, Rin is basically the the reverse of Shran. If Shran is like the Ur Andorian, uh, that I think that I'm what I was trying to do is sort of just like build on that. And hopefully at some point, you know, other actors, other writers will come along and sort of start to fill in the rest of those gaps because as far as I'm concerned, like there's no real definitive answer for what was going on. You know, I don't really know what happened to the Andorians during the burn, although I do feel like they really kept their sensibilities from what we see of them. Uh, this sort of like aloofness, their coolness. Uh, and I also think, I don't know, I, I, I think it's a really cool place, especially if you consider beta canon with like the multiple genders and the polyamory. I just think it'd be so cool to like get into that a little bit more. Um, so I think like, you know, I, there's, a, as an actor, I sort of made some thoughts or decisions, but as sort of a Star Trek fan, I never really felt like I needed to like really solidify, you know, uh, too much just cause so much is still open. Although in my mind, I do think like every Andorian knows who Shran is, even, in, even in the future, you know, that yeah. starship and, and, named after him. <laughs> yeah. And I want that to be true, so it is. And you know, haha, it is. I said it, so haha. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only it's person true. who can really disagree with me on that is Jeffrey Combs. And if he wants to say that, then <laughs> fine, then he wins. Oh, he's he's never going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I also don't think I mean, he'd be like. No, I don't think Shran lives forever. I feel like Jeffrey Combs is like, no, Shran is is always, and he is he's living now. He lives in all of us at every moment. He is all things at all times. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, theoretically, it could be possible that Rin could be some sort of descendant of Shran. You know, or at least in my head, canon. That's kind of how it works because <laughs> I, I have to believe Shran that was on someone. Super horny too, so that's not <laughs> impossible. You know, like I, 
I love how you brought up the the you know four sexes of Ender. If you read the books and stuff like that, there's Jen, there's Shen, Chan, and Than. I think it's, Fan, it's very Fan, it's, yeah. Fan. It's very very confusing. Uh, the Zens and Chens are the females, and the Chans and Fans are the males. What was what? Which one of those was Ren in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's very I'm confusing. Still not totally clear on like the separate. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not totally clear on the separation in in a single gender. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's probably a fan. So That's you know, fair. at fair. me if I'm wrong, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you if you have if you have intimate knowledge of those things, please at me. Uh, but please don't send me your Rule 34 account. I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I think one of the most interesting things they did with the Andorians and Enterprise was to create a conflict with the Vulcans. I think that there mm. needed to be something there natively because for them to just show up in the Vulcans to go, oh, hey, it's the Andorians doesn't really provide a whole lot of drama. I think that they were able to to create that tension and, and to sort of suppose there was an uneasy partnership between the Vulcans and the Andorians via the humans to eventually create the Federation. I think that I honestly, it, it it's, it's probably the best um, world building they did for the Andorians right off the bat. There mm-hmm. was to create that sort of, uh, or to create those characteristics because honestly, it's some of the best stuff in enterprise, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, that episode is so good. It's so awesome that Shran is right at the end. Like it's such an amazing twist, you know, and it sort of paints the Vulcans in a new light, which is really fun. You know, you really think, you know, this species and they're always the best and every single one of them is Spock, but it really opens up like a whole nother window to like their elitism and their sort of superiority complex, you know, and it really sort of, it's fun to sort of see the Andorians as these sort of like scrappy, badass, like not going to give up. Uh, but also with like just very complicated, you know, they're always sort of questioning each other and like, let's get the hell out of here kind of stuff. And yeah, that, that was just super fun. It's super, super fun. And I do think like there is just so much we don't know about how, you know, eventually everybody came to get along in such a way and, and what yeah. those relationships are like sort of, especially during, you know, next gen DS nine, like what the, that relationship is like. I think one of the other things that gets me too, is that in that episode, they, they create a believability to, to paint Shran as almost a conspiracy theorist. He's mm-hmm. this wacko. He's this crazy man. What do you mean that they're using this, this temple you know, <laughs> where the monks are to spy on Andorian. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And w- like you said, when that twist happens at the end, it's actually brilliant. And it, it uncovers a deception of the Vulcans, who, of course, don't lie, by the way, um, <laughs> that, that none of us could imagine. I have, this, I have this longstanding theory that Vulcans in general are jerks. Spock wasn't a jerk because he was half human and he could kind of relate to that. But Sarek's a jerk. Um, <laughs> pretty much he every is, Vulcan we see in Enterprise is a jerk. Total jerk. Um, I, and I think it is their elitism, like you say. Dan, you were going to say something? I was going to say, you actually cosplayed as a Vulcan in Vegas a couple years ago, Bill. So, yeah. You're, I, I, did, I was a jerk. Everyone was yeah. saying, yeah, Everyone's everyone was jerk. saying it really fit. It really fit. <laughs> I was a total <laughs> jerk. I'm going to own <laughs> that right now. <laughs> what I was going to say in regards to the Andorian incident is, it, you said it earlier, Noah, Enterprise and 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 
Jeff's role as Shran really is the Bible for the Andorian culture because we really never saw anything about them that meant anything up until Enterprise. And I thought it was great that they were first shown as this really paranoid type group of people. And we found out, as, as Bill said, I like to say, he calls them jerks. I say the Vulcans are dicks. I'm, I'm right, I've said that many <laughs> times on the show. They really are. And they are shown to be the ones that are doing the wrong in this episode. And it really starts a great snowball of information into how the Andorians are, why they're like that, I think, having that close proximity to Vulcan and now knowing that they are as deceitful as they thought they were and they have the proof to show it. I think that really established a great way for the entire Andorian culture to grow um, on Enterprise and further until the Anar, and we'll get into them in a little bit. While, in a little bit. But I really thought that 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 first episode really set up for a great storytelling for the race. Yeah, I think you know, in terms of like approaching approaching Andorians as an actor who is like also likes the show, you know, and, and is intertwined with the show. For me, it was really Jeffrey Combs's performance, you know, because I don't think that if anybody else had stepped into the role, it would have been filled with that level of energy and passion and sort of heightened emotion. Uh, and I think that that his performance, you know, onward, sort of reacting to everything and and as he sort of has his journey for me a lot of that is really what sort of wound up sort of defining what andorians were to me i could appreciate that i mean um he is well i mean this could be the jeffrey combs appreciation podcast very easily <laughs> because i mean we love everything he's ever done whether it's his ferengi characters or of course the various iterations of Wayun in deep space nine. And, and also as a side note, I think that's the one thing we didn't see in deep space nine that I would have liked to see was an Andorian on some level, mm. but that's just me. Right. Um, when, when you were, well, I was just rewatching scavengers today. Um, the, the episode where Rin is introduced and it looked like in, in various, uh, other, in various parts of the episode, there were possibly other Andorians there at the camp. Was that true? I mean, it may have just looked that way Gosh. in the quick shot, but I wasn't sure. It's possible. You know, it's difficult when you're there because I'm yeah. in like this super heavy prosthetic where it's like really glued to my face and it's painted and da, da, da. And any sort of people you basically see not speaking are in like a mask. So from the camera, it looks like there they are. But when you're there with them, it's very clear that they've just like slid on a mask, you know? So in my mind, uh, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really connecting it. Although I don't think that, you know, I, I was the only Andorian who had maybe crossed Osiris or crossed the Emerald Chain. I don't think there's any sort of loyalty there. So it wouldn't have struck me as strange that there were other Andorians there, but it wasn't really something anybody was thinking or talking about just because it was sort of like, they couldn't really participate in the same way because it was it was just almost like a really, really expensive Halloween mask. And it seems like from that episode that, I mean, Book hasn't been there very long. Mm. I mean, he, he and Rin kind of develop a very fast uh, friendship of sorts, mm -hmm. uh, one where they, they really kind of connect. And I... And maybe this is just me. This is the way it it struck me in the episode. Maybe because they were both outsiders in in the truest sense. 
Rin because he was an Andorian, you know, with uh, the, who'd crossed Osiris and had his an- antenna chopped off. And Book, because he was this this other being who was just uh, probably in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I feel like the the relationship with Book is really kind of central to what makes, or, or, or how we perceive Rin, or what makes Rin, Rin, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that's totally true. You know, I think it's like, that's sort of what they're connecting over, sort of like, feeling like they're two outsiders. And I think you know, Book is sort of seeing somebody that he can help save because he's not quite sure how to save himself, you know? Like, he's sort of, and the outcast of the society, which is, like, working with the person who sort of mutilated this guy, and if he can save this guy, you know, maybe he can save his home. Um, so I definitely think that's that's pretty spot on. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't. Uh, I don't have moments antenna. often, but that's mine. <laughs> Say that again, Bill? <laughs> I don't have moments very often. Oh. I, you know, every now and then I nail one. <laughs> no, not, not much at all. Hey, uh, Noah, don't Andorian antenna grow back? Didn't you, yeah, you grow know, back? They do. And, you know, I, I... My take on, like, what happened is, like... So when we first see that happen, it's like, you know... It's the first time we're learning about this, right? Mm-hmm. That you cut it off. It's this big insult. You know, maybe you're a little woozy and they grow back. I always sort of thought that Osira is like, you know, this insane murderer. She's not just going to like chop something off mm-hmm. and let it grow back. You know what I mean? Like even the wound is like on, on the actual yeah. thing was always like red and raw. So you know, we didn't, there wasn't anything said about it. I wish there was, there wasn't really time, you know, to like, in terms of his little arc on the show, it's like, if we spend a lot of time regenerating his antenna and then we blow his brains out, then it's like, well, that was, that was, you just wasted our time. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a waste of time. Um, But yeah, it would have been, I think like, I think it would have been nice, you know, if he, if he stuck around longer, I think that like, something would have come out of it where it's like, oh, well, we can't grow these back anymore. Or like your balance is ruined. The makeup guy I was working with had a really cool idea, which was like, they don't go back, like put metal caps on them, which I thought was like that, a really fun image, almost like you're like, you know, turning into this armor plating or this sort of uh, jewelry. So I always thought that was cool, but you know, I, I think if he stuck around, it, it would have gotten to it. But just in terms of that little arc, it's like, you know, he's also by the time he gets back on board and he's trusting everybody, stuff's already going wrong. You know, right, so he's right, not gonna let he's right. not gonna go to the doctor. He's not gonna trust Wilson. You know, guy in all white is always smiling at him with these great teeth. He's like, no, leave me alone. I'm <laughs> fine. I'll stumble around the ship for a little bit, and then by the time he's really coming around, he's like, man, this redhead is super attractive. Maybe I should think this out. It's over. It's done. <laughs> that actually so, that actually brings up a, a question. That's a great segue into the next question I had, and that's while you were doing this role, this was your first role in Star Trek, and I will say right here, I hope it's not the last. I really <laughs> hope it's not the last. Did you get to have any input as this small arc in the show was going on with the character about what you wanted Rin to do, say, act, any of that stuff. Did you get to put any of your own input into it? 
Yes and no. I would say on the big scale, like in terms of his arc, I just could have stayed out of it because like I was saying earlier, I really didn't want to, I just didn't want to get wrapped up in something I actually am not in control of, you know, as a, as an actor coming into a show that's really well established, that's not just, it's just not your job, you know? And so you want to be really respectful of, you know, all these things that you're not seeing, which is that the writers are sort of crafting this overarching story and you're just a piece of that, you know, and, and it's important to remain respectful of that and to support the sort of show's vision, not just the fact that you want to be Captain Rin and have, you know, your own spaceship, which, you know, it's like, how am I supposed to go talk to Tunde and be like, hey, Tunde, I just have this small idea. Maybe we could do a full show of just me. I could just be doing everything. I'm in every scene. You know, like there's, I couldn't, I couldn't have that conversation. Um, but on the smaller level, there was a ton of creative input, which I thought was so fun. You know, just like, on, on every episode, whether it's just from like, you know, just mixing up a line a little bit to make it feel a little bit more natural to me or to the character, whether it's adding like bits with a cat, you know, whether it was like giving the thumbs up and stuff like that. That's all stuff that I was able to just like add in. And it felt especially fun because as someone who knows Star Trek, Getting to make choices, you know, I guess it's a little meta and probably nobody at acting school would tell you this, but I don't really care about them or what they think. It's like I get to make a choice that not only fits for the character and not only fits for, you know, the scene and the dramatic moment, but that also fits in Star Trek, you know, which is so much fun when you when I understand like here are the boundaries of like how goofy you can be, how campy you can be, how over the top you can be, which I think, especially in a show like this, you know, with discovery where the sets are incredible, you know, and the cameras are incredible and everything looks like, you know, you're, you're making, uh, you know, like a, 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 you know, like Jupiter ascending, you know, real space drama, there you you can forget like there's actually so much room for fun and silliness and being a little bit over the top which star trek can obviously hold i'm painted blue so like you know uh so so i really got to feel like i got to sort of push push on those those boundaries a little bit and that that was really where the my kind of input if you will sort of came in nice you know, it's funny as you're talking about that and the whole being blue thing. All I can think of about is the Tobias Funke character in Arrested Development <laughs> when he painted himself blue, and everywhere around the set you see these blue handprints throughout oh, the yeah. rest of the series. And I, I suspect that every now and then, I'm hoping that Toon Day throws in just a blue handprint somewhere <laughs> because I, I think know, I, I think that would be amazing. I on the last day I took home like the they, when they take off your mask they like cut it off you you know sort of take it off and put it back on they sort of discard it and I took like the the forehead with the antenna and I had it in a bag and I pulled it out and I was just sort of looking at it and I put it back and I went to like handle something and my hands were covered in blue <laughs> paint and I was like man I tested for like thirty seconds and I'm absolutely covered in blue <laughs> that's awesome. that's amazing. <laughs> So as a Star Trek fan, I mean, does it make it harder to be in actual Star Trek? I mean, are you fighting your fan brain against your actor brain to say, oh, man, this would be really cool. But it's like, no, 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 wait, that doesn't reconcile with what I know about this and that. You know, that's a great question. I think it was really helpful because okay. for, for this, I think it was really helpful for a couple of reasons because... 
But I, you know, first off, I had I had been around and sort of on set and seen stuff and watched episodes so much that I'd sort of like processed the the like mm, well, actually, you know what I mean, and like you know, point, walking up and pointing at the screen and being like, "This nacelle is a bit too small," you know what I mean? I sort of like <laughs> gone through all that, you know. I'd gone through sort of like walking through the sets and touching everything and seeing what I could take home with me and you know, like whatever I. I done. I sort of done all that, so I didn't need to do that when I kind of got to set, which was amazing, you know. Because I do think if I was sort of stepping in, I would have been so distracted by like, well, can I just please sit in the chair? And they'd be like, well, we need to shoot. Like you're you're costing us hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're on the wrong set, you know. Um, so what instead? Because I sort of you know been through that. What I actually got to do was really think about you know how a new Andorian with this specific text, with this specific storyline can tie into a previous Andorian in some small way, even though they're so different, you know, so I can at least have that in my head as I'm working at it. Whereas if I didn't, you know, if I sort of step into Star Trek with a casual knowledge, I would have no idea to go watch Enterprise. Like that's, you know, I would know I would, I wouldn't, because I couldn't just step in and watch you know, the eight episodes, eight random episodes of Enterprise and have any idea really how to use that to my advantage. Whereas for me, I was sort of going back to something. So I didn't have to wonder why T'Pol is dressed like that or why Archer's in the shower. Like I just, I was there, I was game for it, you know, it's like, okay. And I could really take what I needed from it. So I felt like that was really helpful. And then I also felt like, yeah, just again, like having a real sense of the genre, you know, and not misunderstanding the genre of Star Trek, you know, not misunderstanding it as, as like a, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good movie where it's like, you know, people on a, it's not misunderstanding it as the expanse, you know, like okay. it's just yeah. a different genre, you know, and so having the understanding of, you know, all the goofy stuff that happens in it and all the, the you know, the heavy stuff that happens in it and right. understanding how it can sort of carry those two and where it fits in and how those things work, I think was really helpful in allowing me to uh, try different stuff out and, and see what fit, you know, try more dramatic stuff and more sort of light stuff out and, and not just feeling like this has to be, you know, super serious straight down the line kind of thing, or this is just like goofy space, you know, silliness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Noah, speaking of, of uh, goofy and heavy at the same time, I want to go back to enterprise for a second to get your opinion on something that I talked about a few minutes ago. And that's the story arc with the Anar. I, for one, have not been a fan of that. I really didn't think it fit, and it really, really came close to breaking canon with the whole idea of not ever seeing Romulans before. I mean, it really it really stretched the boundaries for me, at least for that arc. And the whole idea of this, uh, it, they actually call them an Andorian subspecies and you know they had the you know they had the white skin, they're blind, they're telepathic, and um, they could have they could have offspring with with quote unquote regular andorians and that's not the right way to put it but that's the first thing that's come to the top of my head what did you think of that arc and do you think that we'll ever see something like that again with that with with the anar because that's the only time we've ever seen or heard him ever in star trek history <laughs> <laughs> 
what I liked less was their discovery. It sort of felt like they like walked through a door and it's like, Oh my God, here yeah. they are. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> like, can you imagine if it's like, if we were like, Hey, we found mole people on earth. Who knew? <laughs> uh, so that always struck me as a little strange. I didn't mind the Romulan stuff so much in terms of like the canonical stuff. What I really liked about them was, I, and I guess this isn't even really like relevant, but I really did like, you know, Shran's relationship to his daughter and how she was different and how she still cared. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still cared about her. And I, I, that was what I really liked about it, you know, and I don't really know if that's really actually relevant to like the ANR and that stuff, but, but getting that from it felt worth it to me ultimately, because it did sort of tell me so much about Shran and what he'd been through and where he started and where he ends the series. You know, it's such a huge change from him being this like, military you know borderline conspiracy nut to like just trying to save his daughter at all costs so i I like that it gave us that and i don't know if they'll ever explore it again my guess is probably not because it it was very plotty you know you're sort of trying to like use them to drive for the plot i i just think like for for a species that has so much uh so many sort of blank spots and in a fun way like if you're going to go into it there's just so many different right things that you could go into that you know let's let's hear about their relationship in the federation and let's hear about these pansexual multi-gender relationships i'm I'm, i i get the anr you know we get it let's hear more about fan and chan exactly (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean i i i just had this thought come to mind i mean if if the if the wonderful Ken Mitchell can play 17 different Klingons. There's there's no reason why we can't have you playing a well, couple of the different only, Andorians. There is one reason, and that's that Ken is a better actor than me. So that's it. <laughs> if we put that aside, absolutely, yes. But Ken, that, that is the only reason that would be stopping me. <laughs> so even though, even though we're talking about Andorians, and this is a fantastic conversation, I'm going to put you on the spot, Noah, because this just came into my head, because I have a lot of room in there, not much going on. A lot of room. <laughs> If you had the, if you were if you were brought into the writers' room and said, "Noah, you did such a great job as Ren. You are you are you've actually leapfrog Shran." Let's say that happens, okay? And they say, "We want you to choose the next Star Trek alien that we will have a story arc with that has not had a story arc before, and you will be able to be one of them." What would you choose? Mm, that's a very good question. I have I have two answers. I have two answers. I think that I'm very interested in exploring what Cardassians are up to in the Discovery future. I'm very wow. curious, like, what happened, what's going on there. And Garrick's the best character in Star Trek, so maybe I can just play Garrick 2. Love to do that. I wouldn't even want to. I'd just call it Garrick 2. Listen, I play Tran 2. I'll play Garrick 2. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not even going to pretend like it would be anything different. I've also been thinking recently, I think it's time to maybe re-enter Betazoids. I think it's time. 
I think it's time. I know that's like a little bit scary because it sort of turned into like sort of a catch-all, you know? But I think that there's probably, as we approach it from, you know, as we approach it now, I actually think that there are still a lot of really interesting things to explore. And I think as like, uh, you know, like mental health and emotions are not something that are only plot devices anymore. I think that there is sort of new grounds to sort of um, step back into that. So I would say between those two. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take it away from Andorians and discovery for a minute. And I want to ask you about deep space nine because you've been rewatching deep space nine, haven't you? <laughs> we, Mary and I have been sort of jumping in. We, we've done a couple of episodes. It's sort of in a way, way, this series I've seen the least of, even though I've seen a ton of it, I feel like every yeah. time I'm watching it, I'm watching a brand new episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like Discovery gets a lot of DNA from Deep Space Nine because of the the way it told the story. And of course, mm. DS9 very serialized. It had really kind of a, a seven season arc of sorts. If you're if you're looking at the journey of Benjamin Sisko as the emissary to the prophets, and Discovery kind of does like season long arcs all throughout. But, you know, as you rewatch Deep Space Nine, save Garrick, um, do you have a, a – because, I mean, everybody loves Garrick. Andy Robinson is so brilliant. And and if you haven't met him yet, I think you're going to get to meet him in Vegas. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm sorry. He's going to be like, he, who are you? Leave me alone. He's, oh, he – Andy is such a, a warm and yeah. gregarious guy. I think you'll love him. But uh, do you have a favorite character that isn't named Elam Garrick and why? Yeah, you know, I actually do think that um, Gal Dukat is probably yes. on there. I know that's wrong. I know no, that's isn't. wrong. <laughs> but again, I just am sort of, I'm really, as an actor, I think that it's just a really fun part to get to play because there's just so much complexity in Cardassians. And like... They're manipulative and two-faced and always talking through a smile. And that is just like really fun to get to do. And I think everyone does it so well. And especially like the main Cardassian actors. It, it, it was actually interesting going back and watching it. You know, the the Cardassian actors, you know, no shade to anybody, but who's sort of stepping in for like a few lines. You can feel like there's this sort of this aggressive, you know, punchy tone. But then when you sort of encounter more of the kind of reoccurring characters, this sort of smooth, smarmy, you know, fake smile, like really in control of the situation. I just think it's just so much fun to watch and so different from so much else in Star Trek, which is very, usually very much like on the nose, front footed, very earnest, very sincere. You know, even if it's earnest and it's like, aggression you know uh really really having that sort of sly devil attitude i just find it's really really fun so i i think you that's probably my answer that's probably my you you made my absolute day noah (laughs) guldicott has been my favorite character or i should say my favorite villain in star trek forever mark alimo is just brilliant in that role and i have been saying for years that he was he he just is perfect as the Cardassians and everything you just said about how they act 
is 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 spot on and the perfect example of that is and unfortunately i can't think of the name of the character right now and i don't want to give anything away if you haven't watched the whole series but bill the guy who takes over for cardassia at the end of season seven after um things happen he is a complete example of what you were just saying and no disrespect to him he's yeah. not he's not that slimy cardassian type yeah character. no i know what you're, I know more, who you're talking about like saluted, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that you know i do think like having a balance actually shows like you know if everyone if all of them are the same then there's sort mm-hmm. of no nuance there's no nobody pops you know so yeah. I, it's not so much that they're doing it wrong or doing a bad job it's more just like you know just just those characters those yeah. actors who really find that yeah i just think it's so good and you sort of get like you those epi- the, the episodes with him and and uh, Kira, like when they're stranded on the planet, and he's like breaking mm-hmm. down, and you got to get to see into it's so good, it's yeah. so much fun, and I honestly think it's probably like too revealing that my favorite characters are like the smarmy <laughs> douchebags. Like it's just like uh, I suck. I, lo- I, I love Voldemort and Harry Potter. And <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Space Nine. yeah, something's wrong. Harry's like <laughs> and oh Thanos. God. Like yeah, it's like you know, Kira's amazing. She's like all for justice and like yeah, do it and like. Jesse is so smart. She's the best. Like, yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, I really like that guy who like, is just like a total (laughs) dick for no reason. (laughs) That's awesome. That that guy who gets taken over by the paw wraith. Yeah. He's he's fantastic. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Dan, you bring up that character in season seven. That's how you know he's not going to be around for a while. Right. He's he's got maybe like a three episode shelf life and he's out of there because the dominion's just going to get rid of him. Yep. Absolutely, and I I like I I can't remember his name right now, but it's a name that I like because I I used to always say it, but I can't remember right now. But back to the Andorians for a second, because I got one more question for you, Noah, that I wanted to ask. And I know that you're a big gamer. We talked about that a little bit before we started recording. And I'm telling you right now, I said it before recording. I'll say it now for everyone to hear. I am looking forward to the day that Rin is a character in Star Trek Online. I'll say that right now. Let's do it. Let's do Rin too. Rin 2, what would you like to see in the gaming community with regards to Andorians, if anything? Because there's so much of this universe that we can bring yeah. into the gaming universe. And Andoria uh, and the Andorians are such an integral part of the Federation. Is that anything you've ever thought about after Oh, man, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think in terms of like sort of getting to be them, I think it's a great place to like sort of continue the beta canon of like, what do their ships look like? What are the capabilities? What makes their ships special? Do they shoot ice beams? Or is that, you know, it's like, what is it? And I do think actually like, you know, going on the planet and interacting with like a weird ice world, but also with people who are really adept at living at a weird ice world, you know, that's the kind of thing that sounds really fun, especially mm-hmm. in terms of like beta canon gaming stuff where like, you know, it, 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 it it's just really interesting to me. It's like, how, how are these people, they lived on some ice planet, you know, and they seem like they did it. And then they come on these, you know, 65 degree spaceships and they don't seem to be, you know, like what's going on there. So I'd be very right. curious to hear like, you know, what makes them really adept at surviving, you know, how, what, what's, what's the actual, like, you know, what what point do their antennas serve in the ice realm? You know, what crystal right. shards can they? Yeah. You know. Anyway, that's that's what I that's what I would see. Wow, that's pretty I, cool. I have, I have two other ways I'd like to see Rin 
or you back as an Andorian, and and you're welcome to to take these and, and use these as you will. Uh, one, I would love to see a short trek on how Rin crossed Osira to get his antenna chopped off. I think that would be a fantastic short trek. Yes, and then, you know it's funny because in a in an early script which I didn't even see, I was yeah. the accountant. I was an accountant. And that's how I knew all about the Dilithium. And then they cut that accountant line. Oh. I think oh. at some point Osiris was to say, like, I think she says, like, you lost him or you lost Rin. But she was supposed to say, you lost the accountant. And that would have just been incredible. Oh, yeah. That, that really would have just been, been the best thing that has ever happened to me if I was the space accountant for all the Dilithium <laughs> mines. Uh, if only. Because then you could have been Andorian Joe Pesci in Lethal oh Weapon. Oh, my God. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, the other thing I'd like to see, because, I mean, conventions are starting back up. It years past in Vegas, they have done onstage makeup demonstrations with, you know, uh, with Robert O'Reilly getting, you know, back as Galron with, you know, uh, uh, Robert Beltran doing his Chakotay tattoo and then posing for photo ops as the character. Um, I, if anyone from creation is listening, because, um, we, they love us now, um, we would love to see an onstage makeup, uh, session with Noah as Rin and then Rin photo ops afterward, because I would be all over that. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you guys have three and a half hours to spare, I will definitely sit there. <laughs> 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 or, or let's add a little something. Of course, I'm doing this just to rib you on purpose, Noah. Let's get Jeffrey to show up also and get you both made up and have a follow up with the two of you. I'll tell you what, Jeffrey's <laughs> going to be done in like 45 minutes. He's going to sort of dab his face and do his thing and stick the stuff on top. I'm going to be there, glue dripping down my face. They're airbrushing this thing. Jeffrey will have taken all of his photos. He'll done the Rat Pack singing, and I'll just be finishing up with the wig. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I was—I uh, don't know why I just thought of this. I'm just going to show up with like a cup of blue yogurt and, <laughs> and say that's my Rin photo op. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, it's terrible. I'm so harsh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really hard. You know we a bunch love of you. Blue Stop glitter. it. Bunch of blue <laughs> yes. glitter. You can throw. Them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm literally going to do that. Well, <clears throat> folks, he is Noah Averback Katz. He is Rin and will always be Rin in Star Trek Discovery. Um, he's going to be in Vegas. I'm going to say that right now. He's going to be in Vegas in August. Can't wait to see him and meet him in person. Thank you so much, sir, for being here on the Trek Geeks uh, podcast with us. Uh, we're so happy to have you back, and we can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here, and I'll see you uh, see you in August. Can't wait. Well, Dan, huge, huge thanks to Noah for dropping by and talking about, well, it started off as Andorians, <laughs> but it wound up being everything under the sun, and I'm here for it. Oh, it was awesome. Andorians, Cardassians. I mean, just on and on. It was, it was fantastic. And I just, I'm, I'm so thankful that we have someone like Noah, who is, who is great at the role that he played as an Andorian, who loves Star Trek as much as we do. So he knows the content. And I think having someone like that being in a Star Trek series is just icing on the cake for people like us. Oh, that was great. Great conversation. You, 
you had to figure that had to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may have happened in the past, but I don't think necessarily to this level, you know, where somebody's been to Star Trek conventions as an attendee yeah. before they were in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, it's awesome. It makes me appreciate Noah even more. Uh, looking forward to getting to meet him at Vegas at Creation's 55-year mission coming up in just less than six weeks. And uh, it's it's going to be a great time. It is going to be a great time. And why not? Because you're going to be there. Oh, I can't say it with a straight face. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Dan, you know who we wish would be in Vegas with us? Mm-hmm. The band Five-Year Mission. They who have been the best house band in Vegas history at the con. They have a podcast right here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network that we want everyone to check out. Oddly enough, Dan, you may not have guessed this. It's called Five-Year Mission, the podcast. That's brilliant. It is. We specialize in marketing here at the Trek Geeks Podcast mm. Network. But also, I mean, head on over to fiveyearmission.net. Please get all their albums. Get those CDs delivered to your door, physical media in your hands, and become a huge fan of Five-Year Mission just as we are ourselves. Fiveyearmission.net. Get those discs, yo. I'm going to have to talk to the guys at the band about maybe doing an Andorian song. That would be kind of cool. I'll I would to, be. I'll have to think of a title and I'll let you know what it is. But it was a great conversation. Absolutely great conversation about Andorians, man. It makes me think of the first time we saw them in Journey to Babel when the Federation was discussing whether or not to let five-year mission into the Federation. And then there was that epic battle where, where Kirk got stabbed. You remember? Here we go. Bridge. Spock, I'm on deck Fark near my quarters. I've been attacked by an Andorian. Drummer. Security. Sick. Security team. Captain? Captain? Captain. Nicely done. Nicely That's done. That's pretty much how that goes. Yes. Um, can we back up for a second there? Oh, here we go. I knew I couldn't get away with it. Huh. Deck Fark? Uh, oh. You know, it happens. It was the 50 Fark year mission tour last week, so I kind of played on the same word a little bit. <laughs> At least you didn't do Journey to Farkle. <laughs> that would have been dumb. I, I no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, nice. That's what you call out as dumb? <laughs> yeah. Deck Fark? Farky to Babel? You're going to be lucky that if Fark doesn't deck you the next time he sees you. <laughs> You know, you are spot on today, man. Very nice. All right. I'm going to have to up my game for next week. That's all. <laughs> We've been waiting 262 episodes for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I figure every every now and then the sun has to shine on a dog's ass. It doesn't get to happen. <laughs> well, it's su sunny out today, so who knows? FiveYearMission.net, please go get all their albums. We implore you. Of course, don't forget... Dan, we have so many great supporters on our Patreon, and we've been so fortunate throughout the pandemic that uh, that we've received as much support as we have. We we are so grateful and so thankful to everybody that that chooses to subscribe to us through Patreon. We try to give you lots of special access and special perks, and um, well, let's just say we have a lot going on. Yeah, we do have a lot going on. Of course, we got Vegas coming up, and but we've got stuff in the works, and it's going to be a great uh, it's going to be a great fall and winter, I think, for our patrons. So um, I'm looking forward to that. But right now, at this moment, right here at this very second, we want to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. As Bill said, we are so grateful for all of the support that everyone gives us. But these associate producers are very special, and they are Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad Demag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark. 
Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Molenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Sarah Rutlinger, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Samuel Slade, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, whew, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. So gracious. Gracious and wonderful. Yeah. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney. Uh, Jackie and Chris Hackney. I shouldn't screw that one up. I mean, Jackie only helps run Camp Kittimer. Right. <laughs> Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Lionel Marchand, Rick Mason, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, take a note of this. Uh, the senior producer of Trek Geeks is the incredibly amazing Jude Tatman. Note taken. You too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. And a special thank you to all of the new associate producers and producers this week. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board. We are so grateful. Uh, Dan, next week, we will be continuing our year-long celebration of Enterprise 20 with the return of, dare we call it, the fan favorite. The fan favorite. You are absolutely right, Monfrere. Enterprise 20 is in full swing, and next week it's time to sit down and talk a little see it or skip it. That's right. As we like to call it, COC is back, and we are excited to be going through another season of Star Trek. And it isn't just any season. It's Enterprise Season 1. What could be better than that? Well, how about Discovering Trek and Trek Rewind co-host Sarah joining us to get all our thoughts on the premiere season of Captain Archer and crew, and it's all next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Speaking of which, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We've got a whole bunch of them. You can find them on just about every podcast platform that exists. We got Discovering Trek and Rewind and Polytrex, Five Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, <sighs> Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, The Sci Fi Sisters, and coming soon with the first link, which we're very happy to welcome to the Trek Geeks family. In addition to Science Station 2, which uh, has an introductory episode starting to hit platforms any day now, Dan. That's, That's pretty exciting. Fantastic. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. They really don't. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 262 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We hope you all live long and prosper. I'm on deck five near my quarters. I've been attacked by a coconut security team. Security. Yeah, he's gonna die. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
Bing bong, young Daniel. Bing bong, younger than me, Bill. By two weeks. <laughs> By two weeks. Very specifically two weeks. It's kind of Absolutely. weird how that works. It is you know? kind of weird how it works. And it'll always be that, which unless I invent a time machine. But even then, it'll still be that. So or I've started right off you. the bat with really good stuff, huh? Unless <sighs> I kill you. Oh, that's true. That's, and that's always a possibility. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, or I could so, get the... Yes. As we record this, mm. we have 40 days. Hmm. Until we land in Vegas, so less than six weeks. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. That's that's, that's pretty really, scary. That's really amazing, actually. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've got a ton of stuff to do between now and then, and I've already done a lot. You know, you have done a ton of stuff, and I, I got to give you credit because I've just been sitting back having a drink, watching you do it all. So, oh, that's going on your next performance. Right? <laughs> he drinks real well. <laughs> no, that's not that, it. That, 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 no, damn, damn. No. So, I mean, if, if for those curious, I mean, so we, you and I, when we started springtime, mm-hmm. had plans just to attend the con as fans. Right. We weren't going to do we anything. Were just, we we're just going to go have a relaxing time. We weren't going to submit for any panels. Well, actually, we wound up doing that anyway, but uh, we weren't going to have any, any big affairs. We we're going to do our normal fan sets party, which is happening. Mm-hmm. Um but we weren't going to go out of our way to to make it work for either of us because we just wanted to enjoy the first one back. Yeah. And then creation afforded gave us the opportunity to have a table in the vendor's room. We're like, well, we can't turn that down. No way. Um, Absolutely because not. it's good for the network. Yep. Um, it, it's not just good for, for Trek Geeks. It's good for all of the shows on the Trek Geeks network because it helps people find out about us. Um, so we said, Okay. And so the work that I would normally do to prepare for Vegas, which normally occurs over a four to five month time frame, I have done in the last 14 days. <laughs> yes. And you've been like, I've been touching base with you. I like, can't talk. I'm busy. Can't talk. Yep. stuff for Vegas. I got, I got doing the spreadsheet. Blah, 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 blah. So yeah, you've been, you've been really going at it. Yeah. I've had, uh, I've had literally two full-time jobs, my day job and then planning Vegas, yep. including nailing down the fan geeks party, oh. making the tickets available. Making the updates to the app, um, all that stuff. I think so, you need to receive some kind of a prize for um, what you did to get this Van Geeks party to happen. Because it's not just going to be awesome for us. It's going to be awesome for the people that go. People have been excited about it. People have been talking about it. Uh, it's amazing how fast the tickets went just like that. Um, yeah. And uh, I, it's going to be awesome. And, and and all the credit goes to you. I will not lie. I am I am very um, humbled to have a partner in this thing that does as much work as he does because uh, I haven't done much. <laughs> it's <laughs> You're been honest, kind of a, Davidson. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's been a kind of a hectic no. month and a half, but um, well, still, that's it. now I mean, I'm ready to start going. You've had enough on your plate, so your task list is just going to start growing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As I as I found out last night, when you like, hey, here you go. Boom, 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 boom. It's funny uh, though d- because I've been talk, I've been thinking about you know what we're going to do in Vegas, even with this occurring. Am I going to even bother bringing my Galt cosplay at this point? I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to do it, and I don't know if I'm going to have anybody to do the makeup for it. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm even going to bring that. I've also got my Captain Picard Admiral's uh, uniform, which I was thinking of doing also. And and now I just I just don't know. I'm just not sure. I may bring them just to bring them in case, but I don't know if I'm going to plan on anything. I would say do the uniforms. 
I mean, because know? I imagine you and I are going to be spending a lot of time at the Trek Geeks booth. Yeah, I yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, I, and and that's cool. I mean, I think the Galt cosplay would be kind of unruly mm. to, for not just for the booth, but I mean. To be sitting at the booth for X hours straight. I'd be standing the whole time, which would be even more just standing yeah. in the corner staring at people. So so maybe we do Galt um, for April in Chicago. That's not a bad idea. Okay. I, I can go with that. I'm down with that. The, the only, only problem downside, is, is... Go ahead. Only downsides. The only downside there is we're not going to have a hotel that's attached to the... Well, club. yeah. Well, that's true. That'll be interesting, you know, in a cabin in Chicago as Galt. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, I was going to say something went completely out of my head, so I guess I'll come back to it when I think of it. Um, so we mentioned tickets for the Fan Geeks Party. We do want to let everyone know that uh, Fan Geeks Party 2021, the initial ticket availability that happened through the Trek Geeks app over the weekend, has sold out, and it sold out in less than two days, which Boom. is amazing. Sincere and grateful thanks to everybody that registered for tickets. We know you're all looking forward to this party, which is why we work so hard to make it happen. We are looking forward to this party. Um, I, I think we're looking forward to it more than anything else we're doing during the week because I, I know we've both needed this party at various points. Oh, absolutely. It's it, it's the thing that I have... I, I got, I'm going to be honest. As much as I was looking forward to going back to STLV and getting back together with all the people that we love to see and hanging out at Ibar, if this party didn't happen, it wouldn't have been as big a thing for me. This yeah. is, this is, I, I gotta say, and I'm not trying to be selfish because we host it. This is the, this is the funnest event of the con for us over the last, you know, since we've started doing it and I'm looking forward yeah. to it. So my, I went and I bought a brand new shirt for the occasion, uh, <laughs> you know, a nice, oh, I'm not even going to wear it until, until that night, um, for, for, for looking good and, and hosting a great party with, uh, with Lou and John and, and, and you and everybody there. It's going to be awesome. I did remember what I was going to say though, completely unrelated to the fan geeks party is mm. people, do not have to worry about sending me emails when you see my Picard uniform that does not have the gold, like, highlights on it. I didn't get a chance to put the gold on it, and I'm not going to worry about it at this point. It's still a Starfleet I wouldn't uniform. worry about it. Yeah. It's still so, Starfleet. It's still Starfleet. So, anyway. Um, so, f for those who missed out on tickets, because we know that there are some, mm -hmm. um, uh, we've had the question, why do you have to do tickets? Well, unfortunately, it's to comply with the Las Vegas fire code right. for that particular venue. We had to do them two years ago at the last Fan Geeks party, simply just to ensure that we didn't have too many people in that space. And we're doing the same thing for Tommy Rockers this year. There will be a small limited availability of tickets in Las Vegas. Details on that are forthcoming mm -hmm. on how some people might be able to get those. But uh, for now... Um, the, the, the party is, party's going to be jamming, man, because it's, it's going to be a full house. Full house, lots of drinks, lots of food, lots of prizes, lots of fun, which is the most important thing. So yeah, we really are grateful to all the people that got their tickets so quick. And for the people that didn't, um, why? <laughs> you had plenty of time. <laughs> but uh, we hope, we'll, you know, like Bill said, we'll have uh, uh, details on on how you might be able to still get some uh, in Vegas itself. So, so yeah, it's very cool. So, as always during this segment of the show, I like mm. to talk about something that is not Star Trek related and I always just kind of like throw something out there like, I saw an eagle or something like that. So, you like to bore our audience. Okay, go uh, yeah. ahead. This might not be a bore. I want to show you what came in the mail today and then I'll describe it to the fans. I'm holding it up to the camera right now. Uh, it's a bobblehead Funko Iron Man from uh, Endgame. 
where Avengers he snap, game, yeah. which is snaps his fingers and says, I am Iron Man. And it's unbelievable because everybody knows I'm such a Thanos and Gauntlet fan. Um, I decided to get this and I haven't tested it yet because it's daylight. It glows in the dark. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's what it said in the description. So we'll find out. Well, I believe it. And in the description, it looked like the colors that it glowed were the actual colors of the Infinity Stones and and that blue stuff going up his arm. So uh, I can't wait to check that out later. I'll go hide in the closet and, you know, see if it glows. And then I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, the closet locks from the outside, right? Yes. I know that I've, 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 I've locked myself in there many times. No, I haven't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be sending in emails. Why does the closet lock from the outside? That's not safe. <laughs> That's not sick. And it's not, which it is. is why I want you to go in there. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So, yes. And my Lego so, uh, Infinity Gauntlet should be here in a couple of weeks, so I'm excited about that, too. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I expect plenty of pictures of that. There'll be a lot of pictures. Absolutely. Anyway. Now, do you like to take pictures as you build incrementally? I actually did that with the Enterprise. I took, you know, just, you know, as I went along, and then I have a little folder on my phone for 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 it. So, yes, I will do the same thing, I'm sure. I do the same thing with my stitches. I usually, you know, show pictures uh, as as they go along. It's how they're coming gotcha. up. So, yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to, to keep things in memory. <laughs> that'll be really cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, because at our age. That, that, <laughs> Who are you? That's not a great proposition. <laughs> I can remember my childhood phone number. I can't remember why I went into the kitchen 10 minutes I ago. I can. I Same thing. Yep, I can too. Yeah, isn't that weird? Unbelievable. So I don't, I don't understand, but. Long-term and back memory. then, back then we only had to dial five digits. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. And they were even easier for me because the first three were the same for mine. Eight eight eight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So mine started with six two seven. Nobody cares. Wow. <laughs> Why are you drinking out of a mug that says ha- "Happy Camper"? It might as well be "Suffering Bastard." <laughs> <laughs> because it's from Fort Wilderness at Disney. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretentious a, jerk that, oh, i would love that on a mug can you work that in for me somehow yeah i'll make it part of the trek geek store excellent a hole i'm sure a lot of people will buy them and send them to me <laughs> can i put your face on it do whatever you want it's your it's your I'll, image I'll put you you as grumpy cat <laughs> that's a great picture <laughs> that should go in a mug all on its own it we need to get somebody to do an artistic rendering of that <laughs> Actually, I might be able to do it myself. I have a great like oil painting app that I've been using, and you can take a photo and turn it into an oil painting app. So I could do that and then take a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> that might have to happen. I would wear that on a shirt. Unbelievable to Vegas. That would be <laughs> grumpy, Dan. <laughs> All right, Jerk, you ready to do this? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess so. As ready as you're going to be, right? Exactly. All right, here we go. Thank you. 